Good morning, everybody. I'm going to first introduce the show and welcome everybody back. I'm your host, Claudia Shamba, welcoming you to the September 3 edition of Ask a Leader. Summer is officially over, despite the flex alerts uh, that we'll no doubt continue to receive from Southern California Edison. I hope that everyone had a restorative Labor Day holiday accompanied with some reflection on how we all benefit from those things that the labor movement worked tirelessly for. That is like child labor protection, the 40-day work week, and workplace safety, to name a few. Today, we have University High School Assistant Principal Mike Giorgino and some of his past and current charges, students Jack Earthman, Carly Ibsen, and Abby George, to cover a number of back-to-school topics. My first guest um, for introduction is Mike Giorgino, starting his third year as assistant principal at University High School here in Irvine. Prior to that, he taught social science for four years at uni. Previously, five years of social science at Brookhurst Junior High in Anaheim. He received his B.A. in political science at the University of California, San Diego. He enjoys playing basketball, beach volleyball, watching football, and cooking. His wife and their two daughters are Costa Mesa residents. Jack Earthman in the studio here along with, with Carly and Abby. Jack graduated this last spring at Uni High and is now attending Irvine Valley College while working in retail at South Coast Plaza. Last year, his rock band, which features original music to which Jack claims writing credit, has received a Municipal Battle of the Bands Award. Carly Ibsen, a senior at Uni High, serves as the Associated Student Body President at the school, and uh, she's... Let me see, I've just lost my space darting about here. And she's also a leader in her community. Carly actively volunteers on the Team Kids Youth Council, the high school branch of a nonprofit organization geared towards empowering America's youth. Abby George returns to uni as a junior and is an editor of the school newspaper, The Sword and Shield. She attended leadership workshop this last summer at UCLA, the Gene A. Bird Institute on L.A. Media and Politics. So keep note, uh, I'm going to say students, not parents. We're going to let the students take care of this business like Abby did, getting signed up for this. But keep track of that for you you students, your prospects for next summer. Today is Abby's radio debut. Carly, Jack, and Abby have been a part of Irvine Unified School District for most of their school years and join me here in Studio A. And Mike Giorgino comes to us from Uni High nearby in Irvine. Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Those, there's the trio signing in with with Mike. Well, I want to... Start with, I believe last year, or was it two years ago, Mike, that there were several filmings, presentations of The Road to Nowhere at the Uni High campus. Mike, tell us how that was brought to your attention and what messages from that film that you considered were important. Well, actually, The Race to Nowhere, we showed it last year to um, the students, the parents, and the faculty all at different times. The reason we showed it was because about two years ago, you know, it became apparent to us that we had a concerning number of students dealing with anxiety, um, social and academic pressure, just an alarming amount of students dealing with an alarming level of anxiety and depression, and we convened a committee to try and address that to both 
address it with the students, address it with the parents, address it with the, the faculty. And we did a, took a number of initiatives to do that with each. And one of these ideas that came out of that committee was to purchase this film, Race to Nowhere, and to show it. Um, so we originally showed it to the parents, had a great, got great feedback from it. Um, the parents said more people should see it, so we showed it to the faculty. Same thing happened, and we wound up creating an edited version um, and modified a schedule to show the parent to show the students, with the hope that one of the main themes coming out of it was the need for balance in students' lives, um, and that it's not realistic or um, healthy to expect every student to be in the top two percent of their class in the top two percent of the state. Um, because it seems as though we have a culture that promotes that. Um, so we, the point of showing race nowhere, the hope was that students and, and parents and faculty would just realize um, that it's important to understand what each student is, is trying to achieve and to help them in that goal and to not set expectations that are not realistic for them or that don't even meet their goals in life anyway, um, to really help drive home this idea of, of creating balance in their lives, balance in their schedules, um, balance in their expectations. Well, before I ask about um, the, the students um, breaking the, that down, the balance and all that, did any of, any of the three of you get a chance to see that either this last year or at other uh, venues? Yeah, I've seen yeah. the movie. You all three have seen yeah, it? We yeah, all I've seen, seen it. it. Okay, so was it re- required viewing, Mike? That yeah, we, we modified our school day schedule. Every student in school saw the film, not the full-length version of it. We took a I believe, if I remember correctly, it's about an hour and 20 minutes. We cut it down to about 15 minutes um, and then had about an hour for classrooms to, to have a conversation about it. Okay. Well, fine. So it, it was almost like an assembly schedule, but specifically for the Race to Nowhere and for that conversation. Well, I'd like to then uh, first have you break down the reactions that you received with, along with the 10th, and then I'd certainly like to have Jack... Carly and Abby address their own reactions. So, uh, were were the parents? Did you feel like you you reached a, a, a broad enough audience? If that's was uh, measurable. Well, you know, we have twenty five hundred students, and about a hundred parents came to the event, which is a good number for the first. You know, that's the first time we've done something like this, so we were happy with our turnout. Would have obviously liked to see more, um, but I thought it was a great response from the parents. You know, in the converse, we had breakout sessions led by counselors following the film. Um, there was a lot of good conversation, a lot of good questions. Um, you know, obviously we're, we, we have high expectations of our students, and, and we should. So there's a little bit of a, a you know, it, it's finding that, like I said, that balance. I mean, we're not saying we want to dumb down expectations. We're not saying we don't want students to achieve to high levels. Um, but at the same time, we're talking about not overloading loading yourself. So it's a, it's a delicate conversation to have. And some parents, um, you know, have a harder time understanding exactly what the what the purpose is or what we're asking them to think about um but uh, the the parents were enlightened i think by seeing it a lot of them said it brought it's a type of film where everybody relates to something whether it's the fact that you have very little family time because your students are always working or at an event or the fact that when you get to high school your students seem a little more depressed and consumed with all these activities that they have and trying to get everywhere and they can't seem to do anything um some people relate to the fact that um, they just have students that don't like school anymore because they're so over-encompassed with it that all of a sudden there's no fun in it. Um, and, and other people say that, you know, that's, that's not their reality, that, you know, they got it together and their kids got it together. 
Um, but that's because they make sure that they have balanced lives and they do family activities and they eat together and their kids sleep enough. Um, so the movie kind of spoke to everybody seemed to have something to relate to it. Um, teachers felt the same way because most teachers are parents. Um, and from the students, we had the students write down feedback. Um, and a lot of the students wrote about um, different things they'd like to see happen on campus. Um, a lot of them commented on homeworks, you know, half saying it was manageable, half saying it was overbearing. That probably depends wow. on the classes you're taking. So. Well, I um, wanted just uh, to give credit to some of the parents that were no-shows, including me, that we have been able to attend other presentations of that film. I know that the Jewish Community Center made a, a point of that, and I was able to cover with some parents that were concerned about that on this program about two years ago, I believe. So we've been working on that from other different presentations. So uh, know, Mike, that you were able to reach more. More people have been reaching, and that's why as soon as you mentioned that, I must dare say, at a soccer match uh, sideline that I knew we had to run with this topic when we could. And it took took a little doing, getting everything, but we thankfully got all these students in the studio with me prior to their returning to school and getting them. Yeah, it's, so, it's an important topic. Our challenge this year is to keep it going and not just leave it as a conversation that happened and now what's next. I mean, it's not what's next because it's... It's now. These are, these are issues that are going on continuously. Right, right, right. So let's have... Uh, since the students, uh, all of them saw it, let's start with Jack, and uh, you can let us know, Jack, what your impressions with that, because I know, Jack, you've consumed a number of different kinds of school systems that had different kinds of charters to them. So how did that grab you when you saw the film? Um, the I mean, I think the confusing part of the whole uh, Race to Nowhere um, movie for me was a lot of the parents and students seemed like they were... Um, were seem more concerned about the fact that they were underperforming and that's where the source of stress came from that they couldn't really handle um the school system or the homework and so that's why the concern ar- arose in the first place is because they couldn't handle dealing with uni or um you know getting in you know dealing with AP classes and that amount of stress but what was scary for me being at uni was a lot of the students were like didn't have a lot of normal um social abilities like appropriately dealing with stress and, uh, you know, having dealing with leadership roles. And I mean, I think a lot of the skills that we don't really focus on in school are, you know, kind of the more important ones. So the race and nowhere kind of seem like uh, a little bit off topic um, because it seemed to address a lot of things that I mean, I think are already really focused on in school. So for me, it just kind of seemed like it missed the point a little bit. And but I still appreciate where it was coming from. And I, and I think it was it, it had a good motivation, but it was kind of in the wrong place than I expected it to be, in a different place than I expected it to be. Okay, thanks, Jack. Carla Yipson. I would say I think the most important thing about the videos itself, although it didn't necessarily address specific needs that I felt were the ones that needed to be addressed at uni, the and especially because the video was such a short segment of a long story that is meant to really you know draw you in, I thought that the important part was that it did start fostering those conversations and it got people thinking regardless of whether they were just sitting in the back of the classroom you know uh enjoying their hour of considered for some people their free time because mm-hmm. oh it's this assembly schedule we have extra time in class but um they're still getting that message through they and, it got in there there was yeah. some traction they were probably they probably tended to look up and they wait a minute i recognize myself in this rat race and this race yeah. to nowhere i think it's just important to start getting those conversations across and get people thinking about it that it of course it's not always 
you know, you don't always have to feel that pressure. And a lot of it is students put it on themselves because of environments that are fostered from a young age in our school systems. And in living in a, a place where most people are becoming su- successful and you're surrounded by all these other people who are really competitive, um, you start comparing yourself to others. And that's where this uh, harsh environment comes into play. You... Um, it's even just from a young age with APIS classes, you think, oh, there is a better, there is, like, there are the superior students and the the inferior ones, but that is not necessarily true. There are just, you know, people are, have different types of learning, and just because someone else is doing something differently doesn't mean that they're doing it better than you are, and I think that that's something that we really lack insight on in the society where we've been grown up in here. And um, I don't know if necessarily a video like this is the way to fix it but I think just addressing that there is a need is definitely the first step in the process like identifying that big fat elephant in the middle of mm-hmm. I'm not going to say living in front in the middle of the gym and the rally the assembly oh. yeah yes okay well, we actually just real quick yes, we actually Mike. had the teachers show it in their classrooms so it was in intimate settings that the students were viewing it, it wasn't it was an assembly schedule but we weren't watching it as an assembly Okay, yeah. no, I, I was just mentioning that elephant in the room kind of thing. I was trying to think of the, the biggest room I could find at uni. <laughs> <laughs> so, Abby, you might have some reactions to it, too. I definitely appreciated watching the video, but I felt like no one really, like, most of the students didn't really um, actually, like, take anything from it. I think it was, like, great conversation, but then nothing is actually happening. The school's not doing anything. Like, we're not going to the eight-period schedule or anything. Like, there's things we can do, but we're not doing them. Oh. So that's what's frustrating me. But, like, I just feel like it. a lot of it is, like, the student's fault. Like, if you, t- if you didn't take the AP classes, then you wouldn't have all this homework that you're complaining about. So I don't really get it. But, I mean, like, I, I, I just I don't really get it. Mike, do you want to react to that as far as Abby's talking about let's operationalize this as the others are in the studio talking about too? How do you see that it's an unwieldy task because as they're all talking about, this acculturation began, I suppose, when they were supposed to be getting into the right preschool. So uh, there's, a, it's a, there's a lot on everybody's shoulders to try to, to turn a lot of this around before everybody's depleted and all the blowback just levels all that potential that we're sending out into society. Well... You know, Abby had mentioned about, you know, what are we doing about it at the APR day. You know, we started exploring the idea of changing our bell schedule two years ago. Right. Um, And the Race to Nowhere really fed into that conversation about how we can better support students in everything that we do here. Um, So there's ongoing, not just conversations, we have committees of teachers that have formed and that are in the process of making decisions and coming up with um, possibilities as far as um, possible bell change schedules, bell change, bell schedule changes, excuse me, um, possible advisement or tutorial or homeroom or some sort of other period um, to address the idea that we need to make sure students feel connected to the school and, and recognize that there's so many people here that care about them. Um, we have, we're having conversations continually at the AP level about um, allowing more students in or, or changing requirements at different levels to get students in. So there's a lot of conversations and, and actual conversations that are going to manifest into some, something by the end of the year based on these things that came out of Race to Nowhere. So although a student may not recognize any impact of that film, I could tell you that in the practices of maybe the counseling department or the English department or an administrator or individual teachers, there's a lot of things that have come out of Race to Nowhere. A lot of teachers have changed their homework policy. A lot of departments have changed how they weigh their grades in regards to homework or tests. 
so there's there there is a lot of little things that have come out of it. You know, if you look big picture, you know, bell schedule that's a very big thing. There's a lot of variables that go into something like that, right? And that may or may not happen. But you know, the, the point of the race to nowhere was less about the film, but more as the film being a springboard to a conversation, so that teachers could understand where kids were coming from, and kids had the opportunity to share some of their feelings about the issues that race to nowhere brought up. And yep. those main issues were, you know, stress, homework, cheating. Um, feeling connected to a school. Uh, you know, our, our theme for this year is connect, and part of that is trying to make sure that students have the opportunity to connect to their schools, to connect with one another. Um, so, again, we're, we're trying. That is the challenge. You know, we, we showed something. We got a conversation about it. A bunch of kids opened up. What do we do with it? And that's, you know, part of what our challenge is this year, to make sure that those that, that moment of showing this film to all these different groups doesn't die. And I don't think it is. Well, the nagging question, I, I don't think it was brought up. I'm, the bell schedule includes when school actually starts. I know it's been asked. I know there's a deluge of issues to take on, and so we never know which battle we're supposed to choose here among many. But can, can how feasible is it for these high school brains to start school at least an hour later than the 7.30 time slot now at uni? Um, well, I don't want to – I can't be on – the question's overly specific because I don't know if I could tell you an hour. But, you know, certainly – you know, this is our school. We can make the changes that collectively we feel we can and need to make. But like you said, I mean, there's considerations as far as busing, considerations as far as mm-hmm. athletics when they start. Um, you know, you don't want to put kids in a situation where they're missing, you know, a specific period almost daily in a, in a semester. So um, I think that is one of the one of the main topics of consideration when we're in, in our conversations about bell schedule is, is the start of the day. And how I mean, is you're it? right. Without a doubt, research says you start later and kids learn better. Well, how is the schedule with athletics so strict? Is it, is it a matter that they have to be done? The athletics must be done at the district by a certain time for... No, no, no. It's a matter of when, just when games start and transportation to get there. Okay, you so... Know, take tennis, for example. Tennis has to travel out of the county to get to a normal league game. Okay. You know, so the, the, the later the school day starts... They're still leaving at the same time. They may still have to leave at noon. I'm, I'm just picking noon. Right, but right, of course. In our schedule, maybe that means they only miss one period. If we move the schedule, maybe now they miss one and a half periods, and that becomes a burden for those students. So I'm not saying, you know, it, that's just a piece of the puzzle. There's a lot of pieces. Um, but, but the athletic issue is just simply um, the time that games start. We don't, we don't schedule timing, and then depending on where we have to go, we have to consider transportation. Right, okay. Well, that's that actually answers a lot for me, and I'm... Uh, that I'm concerned about that. I don't know if uh, students have some reactions to uh, what Assistant Principal Giorgino is talking about. Yes, Carly. Um, well, I do think the the schedule is important because my parents have raised me in a way where they really emphasize sleep because they've you know read studies on it and they think it's especially important for us to get sleep. And if you're not getting sleep, that even makes it harder to handle the stress that's on you because you're not giving yourself time to relax, not enough time in a night. I feel like I know people who get six hours of sleep every night because they stay up alternating between going on social media and doing their work and mm-hmm. it's just not it's well it's not efficient for one but it's also not healthy and my parents um how when i've been growing up at they'll just say at a certain time okay it's 11 o'clock you're going to bed and i was like oh i haven't finished my work well then you should have done it before you know i saw you earlier sitting on your computer that was your time when you should have been doing your work. I'm sorry that you can't do it now. And so even though they think it's, it's it's very important for me to work hard in school, and especially because 
it's what I want. They support that, but they do have priorities. And to be honest, it it has benefited me. It has not sacrificed anything. You know, one assignment that's not turned in is not the end of the world. And that is something that is so incredible how how a lot of people can't recognize that. Mm-hmm. That, you know, say even maybe it did bring your grade down from an A to a B. That doesn't mean you're not going to be successful in life. That doesn't mean you're not going to go to a great college. And a lot of times, you know, that can give you a lot more out of life when you're not focusing on school all the time. I mean, there there are other aspects with school as well. There are school events, and those really enrich the the academic environment when you supplement that uh, the social life in with the academia. And it's hard for some people when you're only focused on school in the strict way where you're constantly just doing work. You go to school, sit in class, pay attention, take notes, go home, you know, maybe go to a sport, but then you're you're right back on it. You're doing your homework and there's just no break. And that is really why the race to nowhere, you're not necessarily, you don't really see where you're going. You lose you lose the vision of where you're trying to get. Yeah, uh, essentially it's so that you'll go to a good school, you know, you'll get into, um, you know, a good graduate school afterwards. But what is the point if you're not getting anything out of the life you're living? I mean, that's that's really the focus here, I think. W- like, why? Why is that so important? You know, yeah, it's slightly important and it's good to focus on, but it doesn't have to be the first priority. Well, thanks, Carly. I, Mike, I know you've got just a few more minutes. I can have Abby and Jack react to what you were just saying, and then I know you've got to get to pressing business of cranking up for the rest of the preparation for the school year. Do you have a few more minutes with us? Oh, I'm fine. Okay, fine. So, Abby and Jack, you want to react too? Well, the re- um, I definitely uh, I sympathize with um, Mr. Giorgino, and I think um, education administration um, people in general, because I think that... Um, f- a lot of the symptoms and a lot of the things we deal with, are, I think, are kind of rooted in unrealistic expectations that parents have. I don't think any anyone who has a child doesn't want them to be, you know, an A-plus student and also, you know, the king of the social club and also an athletic star. But realistically, that's not going to happen. I think it's, it's really hard for uh, students and also teachers and just, you know, the whole administration... Um, camp because it just seems like there's this expectation that you can you know do homework for four hours a day and then still develop social skills and it's kind of crazy it it just doesn't seem like people really recognize that there's only uh 24 hours in a day so i just think that um i think one of the solutions and definitely something that was sort of brought up in a race nowhere is that people really need to sort of relax about um things so that children can develop normally and abby george um, yeah, I don't think it's the school's, I don't think it's the administration's fault because I think the kids come into uni with these, like, with these expectations. And so, I, like, um, I think it's hard for the school to, like, do, to change these kids, like, thoughts of what they've been raised by. Um, and I just, I feel like, but at the same time, it's like uni, like, is harder, academically harder than other schools. So, like, kids have to work harder to get this A. For example, I know people from from Woodbridge who received an A in their AP class but then got a 2 on the exam. Well, at uni, you might get a B in the class and but still get a 5 on the exam. So, I mean, I think it's good because we're actually learning way more, but then at the same time kids are like I'm like like I'm learning so much but I'm still not getting an A. Like what's wrong? I must not be learning so much, you know. And so their confidence goes down, I think. But like 
I think it's just the kids' fault, and they just need to realize that it's not the end of the world if you don't get into like a really good school or something. Okay, Mike, are you? Do you have a, a minute or two more to uh, to react to that, and then yeah, we'll say I mean, thanks. I to, you know, Carly mentioned a lot of good points in the beginning. I think that you know it goes back to that idea of balance. You know, we can't do kids can't do everything. You know, you, if you, if you see, I mean, I'm assuming parents are the biggest audience right now. I mean, if you see that your students taking two or three AP classes and they're on the soccer team, and they're doing piano lessons, and they're sleeping four hours a night, and you don't really get a chance to even talk to them on the weekend, there's probably, you know, something's got to give. And, and like Jack said, everybody wants their kid to be best at everything. You know, I'm a parent, and I want that too. But at some point, you know, where does family and happiness fall in the mix? It can't go by the wayside. I mean, as adults, we count, we, you know, as adults, we love to say how much we love our family and want to be with our family and, and love our time with them. But sometimes it, it's as if we don't want have that same expectation for our students, for our children. It's and like we're okay that they're overbooked and, and doing everything, and, and we accept the fact that they don't sleep and that they're studying all the time. But I don't know that we would accept that for ourselves. Um, Amen. That's true. That's and true. I, and, and I understand there's that theory that, you know, well, yeah, we had to work hard to where we got, but I, I never had a schedule like I see these students, you know, not even close. And I, was, and I got, went to UCSD, now granted it's a different time. I only took one AP class in high school, and I know it's more competitive now, and I know there's more kids out there competing, but I don't know. I feel like we, we, we don't sometimes have the same expectations for our students that we have of ourselves as far as what we would expect to be a normal lifestyle. Um, you know, a little bit to what Abby was saying. You know, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people will say uni is an elite school. Um, you know, we're ranked in all these rankings. And, and yeah, that's a testament to our, our population and our teachers and our dedication, but the, the flip side of that is, you know, we're a comprehensive public high school. We're not a magnet school. We're not a private school. You know, when I think of anything elite, I think of something where you're choosing people to be in. Um, if you're an elite athlete, that's a very few select group, elite club, you know, they choose who gets in. We don't choose who comes in. Everybody comes here. We want everybody to be here, and, and we have to make sure our, our challenge is to make sure that everybody not only can succeed here, but everybody feels welcome here. And I think that's maybe the essence of why this race nowhere thing even came up that there's a percentage of kids that feel like that uni isn't offering them what they need um and i could be wrong so maybe if the students could jump in again but oh, oh you've got I more okay great biggest challenge jump in students we, we got more time with mr Giorgino. one which one carly would like to start i think the the really difficult part of the situation is that um you know, maybe some people say uni is offering what they need, but, you know, what is that? What? How can you even answer that question? There's, there's so many roots to this problem. It's hard to, like, nip it in the bud and try to really get, uh, fix the problem where it started because there are just so many factors playing in here. And I think what I find interesting, kind of like what Abby mentioned, is um, at other schools, honestly, just even other high schools, local high schools in the area, they have different expectations, you know. They got a B, and they like they might be like, "Hey, I got a, I pulled a B in that class, man," you know. And to them, that's impressive, and that's great. I mean, I think the the thing is that we give we have these high expectations that we set for ourselves. So if we're setting them for ourselves, I don't see necessarily what the solution is and how to fix that. You really just have to offer, I guess, other alternatives to to constantly studying and I guess that that's part of what ASP tries to do we put on events for the school and you know of course there there are always those kids who aren't necessarily interested and that's that's okay it's not for everyone but you have to have something besides the academics that 
it's not a healthy way to live. I mean, we've seen it. It can stress people out to a point that we never would have even imagined. And that's so scary that some people, you know, can't, you know, if you literally can't handle it, yeah, that's a problem. And so it's just a matter of what to do about it. Well, I, I must say, I was at the registration for seniors last week at uni, and one sort of student proudly said, well, what do I do if I don't have to, when I'm not going to be buying any ASB uh, materials, including the card. And I, actually, I, I thought I was sort of intervening at the moment. I said, well, what do you mean you're not going to have an ASB card? That's because I see that as driving a lot of trains for uh, amenities that high school, it's, it doesn't mean you have to be on the rally squad, but that ASB gets you a whole lot of other things. And I thought blowing that off was like a big chunk of high school. So, uh, so, so much for balance. Um, and other reactions to Mr. Giorgino here, Abby or, or Jack? Um, in terms of high school not meeting um, a lot of kids' needs, I, I would agree. I think, I think as, you know, parents have to work more, which seems to be the trend is that now that both parents have to work to, um, it's becoming more po- more common that both parents are working and, um, you know, this sort of thing that um, school's going to kind of become more of a place where children will learn sort of basic life things like how to deal with an abusive relationship or um, how to file a tax return or um, how to how to help someone with alcohol alcoholism that's your friend or, um, you know, things that I think we at some point in our lives we most of us deal with but um, aren't really being addressed because, pe- you know, I think an older generation would th- see those as practical things, you know, you just you're um, you just happen to know by the time you need them. But in terms of, grow- you know, growing up and being at uni, I just I saw a lot of people that didn't really um, know how to deal with these sorts of things. So or really, you know, have political views or, um, you know, just do things that I would consider to be pretty normal adult things. And I think as we, you know, in the near future and looking onward, school's going to be a, a place where you can learn a lot of those basic skills that before and in the past you've learned from parents or, um, you know, other institutions. I just see that as a trend. Yes, Cart. Yeah, yeah, if I could just too. chime in one more time. I just wanted to comment on what Jack said. I think, yeah, not having necessarily, having school having to supplement for, you know, uh, a lack of parenting at times, not necessarily because it's even the parents' fault, but um, that can also be a problem because a lot of students don't necessarily feel like they have an adult that they can talk to or confide in or, you know, ask about problems that they're having. And uh, I know that's a lot of what we addressed with the Race to Nowhere in our discussions, you know, how how can we make students feel like they're, they're important and they matter and you know, when they're feeling stressed, they don't just have to keep it to themselves. They There's someone who cares about them that can help them deal with it. And I think a lot of the the really the main, the main way I see that you can address that problem specifically is just personal connections. I mean, as much as you can, anyone who who wants to help foster a better environment in which students feel uh, welcome and comforted and, and needed by someone else and appreciated for what they do you know you do all this hard work and then necessarily you maybe you don't get the grade you want and you just feel so disappointed in yourself and then you know when you're bringing all that that uh disappointment on yourself you don't necessarily feel like there's anyone else who can relate to you or you just you know you just uh introvert yourself with your problems and that's also really not healthy and so you need to have someone that you can talk to and um i just think personal relationships are the best way to do that you know having the administration or the counselors talk to their the their students about their issues or at least ask is everything okay because sometimes just someone asking that can 
you know, you can really open up because it's a lot harder to approach someone about an issue you're having than to open up to them when they're reaching out to you. So even though we mm-hmm. do have, you know, meetings with our counselors, it, again, is focused on the academics. We have a, a junior counseling meeting. Plan your classes for next year, senior year. What do you want to take? Oh, you should take these AP classes if you want to be rooted for this, you know, profession. But How can you bring your GPA up? Yeah. How can you get your numbers I mean, up? The, the counselors are... I haven't I haven't actually had that experience, but if that's what you want, that's what they're going to help you to achieve. And I think one of the most important parts is just, you know, how are you? <laughs> like that is not hard to do. It's not um, not even a necessarily a, a an easy script. Yeah, just put it, it, in it there. can bring it can open up so much to the right student that it means a lot when they don't have someone asking them that every day. You know, their parents care about them, but they don't always have time. So. It's it can be difficult. I just want to say for those of you who've just tuned in, you're listening to some of the best of IUSD. I have Jack Earthman, who's graduated uh, last year. Uh, on I have Carly Ipson, the vice president of the Associated Student Body Council, and Abby George, editor on the Sword and the Shield, or the, the Shield and the Sword, and assistant principal Mike Giorgino here on Ask a Leader on KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming in school districts all over the world, successful, grueling, uh, enlightened uh, school systems all over the world on KUCI.org. And we have now Abby having a chance to react before we let Mr. Giorgino go for good on the show. Yes, Abby. Um, I definitely agreed with Jack that we're not learning um, like the real life skills that we need. I mean, I think like I came from a like a lucky family where like my parents actually taught me like things I needed, like cooking and stuff like that. Um, that was just random, but um, I also no, not, not <laughs> random. That's not random. That's right on it, Abby. Uh-huh. Um, and like they took me traveling and stuff, so like I was really lucky. But I think th- some of these kids, there's just like their family is just focused on ac- academic. academics and stuff um and like once like a really like a teacher once told me that like even if you go to harvard you're still not going to be successful if you're not good at what you do i think like you need to find something that you really love to do and you're good at it and just focus on that because once you're an adult if you're like an assistant principal or a principal and like you're like how you did in AP Chem in high school is really not going to matter. Well, Mr. Giorgino can attest to that. He, d- he did one AP course, he said. Prior to you, yeah. Oh, in U.S. History. Oh, that's right. That's where you went to poli You must yeah. have been changed. Yes, go ahead. Um, Abby. I just feel like these kids think like how they do in this one class is going to affect the rest of their lives, but what really matters is their, their life skill, like what they're focusing on. Like if you want to go into journalism, they focus on journalism. I just feel like they're not learning like what they actually want to do and they're not finding passions or anything like that well thanks well mr Giorgino, i know you need to get back to classes you've given us back to preparation for classes let me uh thank you very much for being on the show today unless you had any did you have anything to say to wrap uh, before you leave um just to touch on what abby just yes, finished good. with you know there's a misperception here that we don't have those types of classes but we do have art and drama and communication and speech and debate and a number of skill-based classes. Um, our problem is students don't sign up for them, and that's all part of this conversation of balance, that either they don't feel that will help their GPA or parents don't feel that it's academic enough, um, and, that, and that's our community challenge. You know, we, we do make these offerings, um, and sometimes we have to drop classes that are these types of skill-based, fun, applicable, mm-hmm. practical classes but if enough students don't sign up, we can't fly it. Okay. Um, 
So, you know, we have to make sure that the responsibility, we're trying to, you know, we have our role, but everybody has their role. All the stakeholders have their role um, to address these issues. Um, so these conversations help that. So I appreciate you having me on, and I appreciate the students for their honesty and their, and their input. Well, great. Well, we're glad that you gave us extra time, and we'll let this podcast continue, help keep that conversation going. And I honor every opportunity that you see, including engaging parents at the sideline of the soccer matches, of and engaging us in other venues around uni and in, uh, in raising these intellectually extremely honest questions about what a school system is for any student coming through. Uh, Assistant Principal Mike Giorgino at University High School, thank you so much for being on Ask a Leader today. You're welcome. Thank you. Well, we're gonna, I'm going to give a, a quickie station break, give these people a little tiny breather, and then we'll, uh, we'll bring up some to- pet topics that the students had uh, here in remaining few minutes. So stay with us. We'll be back after this short break. Welcome back, everybody, to Ask a Leader. We're here in the studio with me as our Jack Earthman. Recently graduated from Uni High, now attending Irvine Valley College. Carly Epson, who is the vice president of the Associated Student Body at Uni High. She's a senior and Abby George, editor at the, I'm going to get this right yet, the Shield and the, the Sword and the Shield at, at Uni. She is returning as a junior at uh, the high school there. And we're now going to bring up some topics. Um, I, I want to bring up these uh, with you now. We've have uh, the subject of we've talked about the general culture but one of the students wanted us to bring up the how we should be rewarding great teachers and how we evaluate the mediocre ch- teachers so uh maybe i don't know who wants to take that one up first how you might address that maybe abby you've haven't given this some thought so uh, maybe you'd like to react to that topic you broached with me in preparation um, yeah i mean i just i've my experience at uni, like, obviously everyone has different experiences, but my experience is I've had, like, two really great teachers that, like, I just look forward to their class, and they've just taught me so much, like, not just about the subject, but then I've also had, like, four or five really bad teachers who really don't care and just, like, do whatever they need to do to get by because they have tenure and stuff, so it's just, like, it's tough that these two teachers, these different teachers are getting, like, paid and rewarded in the same way. I know there's, like, teacher of the year and stuff, but that really, like, that's not, like, I don't think that's enough to reward these teachers, and I just feel like it's tough for, like, like as a teacher like you see these other teachers doing nothing and like getting the exact same like pay as you and then like what's going to motivate you to like be a good teacher unless you're just a good person which I mean we have some of those but not that many okay I'm glad to hear that I'm I'm, Mr. Georgino will be able to hear that when he gets the podcast (laughs) did any uh did either the two of you Jack or Carly want to respond to that topic I'll respond I think um all credit to teachers I think they're working with like an 18th century educational model that doesn't really work at all (laughs) but um I definitely have um I think um you know with math and science versus English and um other classes, I, I, I seem to gel a lot better with my English and um, sort of communication-based classes. Um, I had two teachers, Mr. Alex and Mr. Kessler at University High School, who um, I really appreciated and I thought um, were excellent teachers. Um, but it seemed like they um, th- that sort of character and that sort of um, conversational teaching style really only fits into an English and, um, you know, an English and humanities sort of um, 
subject matter. So, you know, I think that that wouldn't work as well with a 30 person class if you're there trying to teach um, calculus. So I think that's kind of why um, I would always get lost in the lecture style, um, um, you know, math and science classes because that that sort of teaching style just has never worked for me and I don't I don't really seem to absorb information when someone is just talking at me um whereas I can really um really really well really quickly and efficiently absorb information if someone's um conversing with me or if someone's um rebounding information back at me so I just I think it's sort of a um, a subject matter sort of thing, you know, you get different and types structure, of people. the structure with the yeah. how we're crowding those classrooms. Carly, um, yeah, I agree with Jack. I think the most rewarding teachers are the ones who get you the most engaged. But the problem with that is it's not really something that you can, um, you know, you can make happen without that drive in the teacher themselves. You know, I the specific teachers that he mentioned, they're both and and other teachers in addition at uni, but they have you can tell that they're their motivation is not is not something that you could reward yourself it's it's that they they enjoy it you can see how much like when a teacher is teaching and you know they get excited about a subject that's when you are able to feel the same way and actually be interested enough to to engage yourself so i think um i don't think it's necessarily only um humanities based i've i've had I, I get that it is a lot harder, especially with science and math classes, because they're less personal. Um, it honestly is just information. So to make that, you know, to foster discussions about calculus, you know, that's not the level that we're necessarily at at this point. You know, we, they kind of just the point of math classes is to give us information and get us moving on the right track. And so you can't really focus on, you know, uh, what do you guys think about this? And that, that gives the students this opportunity to... Uh, you know, bring out the their real thoughts, and it makes you a lot more engaged in the classroom setting. Thanks, Carly. Abby, did you want to add to that? Um, yeah, I just kiss that I, mic. I agreed that um, we need to like redo our educational system, but I mean, I obviously that's going to take a lot of work, and that's probably not going to happen realistically soon. But um, there's people pushing, and so I just I think the movement should start. Amen. Carry that torch. Well, um, we're also we're took, looking at uh, whether or not uni students uh, participate in clubs and other extracurricular activities for the right reasons. I do remember, I, I can't resist this one anecdote I was privy to, where uh, a, uh, a friend's son joined on to the surfing club uh, officers, and then he said, okay, let's start surfing. And the other officers for the surfing club said, oh, we don't surf. We just want to be able to put this on our resume that we held this office. So uh, I don't know what kinds of experiences the three of you have encountered where the, it was a sham, the kind of extracurricular uh, criteria, the extracurricular involvement that they had of varying uh, sense, uh, degrees of light to uh, to genuine. Either any three of you want to bring up um, that topic. Jack. I. I, uh, I, yeah, I could definitely attest to the fact that I think a lot of people at uni, uh, are in clubs to put it on the resumes, but, um, I, uh, I don't really think that's a necessarily negative thing. I think a lot of the times, um, you know, people will join organizations like, um, they might go to a local church and they're not necessarily a hundred percent Christian, but they want to establish a sort of community and also want to have some, um, like community and, um, reliability and people they know. And so, 
Um, sometimes it's just a way of judging character, um, it, and that can go too far. But I think it's it's kind of like a normal pattern. As for me, I um, uh, I I definitely think that um, clubs and extracurriculars are um, important, and it's especially important to enrich yourself. But um, yeah, I, I never saw a lot of that going on in the clubs at uni. But it was um, I think it's I mean I don't think it's necessarily a problem that people do that or that people have clubs that aren't. Um, Producing yeah. for for them, producing for or providing. Yeah, providing. I I don't think that's necessarily a huge huge problem. I think it's okay to people just, you know, I don't think it's an addressable problem. Okay, maybe. Carly. Um. Yeah. Well, I I recognize that there are there are those people who are, will do anything to cheat their way through the system, and um, sometimes that's actually the harder way to do it. You know, if you're having to go to all these meetings for these clubs that you're not even interested in. Like what a huge waste of time is all I can think of that. Um, but so there, there are people who are doing that. But I agree, it's not necessarily a huge issue because I think even even if that's their original motivation, oh, I'm going to join JSA or MUN or one of these really big good name clubs that look like you know you're a, a mature student who. Well, some of us don't know, Cardi, what JSA means. Oh, it's Junior Statesman of America, and it's. Both of the JSA and MUN, which is Model United Nations, okay. are um, debating clubs. So they're, they're, they're talking about real issues, and it's, it's one of those—I mean, those are clubs that I think really do uh, supplement the student life to make it more enriching because maybe you don't necessarily get the humanities teachers or even the science teachers or math teachers that engage you, but this club is a way— to get your to express what you want in, in a different environment and it's skill based. You're yeah. learning how to yeah you, negotiate. I mean, the more that you are speaking about issues, the better you are at you know um, getting across what you want to say. So I think I think those clubs are really important. But say someone does join it because that's they think oh this is this looks good on my application, but then they can find out it's truly something that they have a passion for, or maybe not necessarily it's for them, but just watching other people how how they're doing their debates you know that can just imp- i mean i i w- went to one jsa conference i was just impressed with everyone i mean all these high school students debating about like real issues and not necessarily anything is is uh being done out of that but i mean they they do try to get some involvement with jsa on the state level they have students that are like having slight influences in the government but just the fact that these these discussions are being had again that's just so powerful to have the different points of view and just these really enriching conversations and to hear other people talk about it can open up your mind a lot okay thanks we're going to wrap it up with uh, abby responding to that about the the role of the extracurriculars and how students are making the most of that and then we'll, that'll be our last question, and then we'll wrap the show. Thank you. Go ahead, Ravi. Um, yeah, I think it's hard to blame the students if that's really what they think will get them into the school, like, of what school they want. And, like, well, if they think that's going to, like, provide for their future, like, I think it's hard to blame them. But at the same time, I don't think that will, like, provide for their future at all. Like, I don't think if you're an officer in, like, World Food Program, you're going to, like... And that means, like, I don't think you're actually going to make a difference besides maybe getting into a better college. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, you're not, you have to be, moti- like, self-motivated if you want to actually make a difference, which I think it's sad that, like, kids think they have to do this. And I also think, like, going back to, like, um, the colleges, like, the colleges shouldn't be rewarding these kids for just having all these clubs because at a certain point it doesn't mean anything. 
All right. Well, you can see why that I'm fortunate to have these three uh, on our show today on Ask a Leader. Jack Earthman, graduating last year from Uni High. Carly Ipsen uh, is a, the vice president of the Associated Student Body, a senior this year. She'll be graduating. We'll have to explore later with getting everybody back and talking about where they're headed or what, what, what they're getting out of the year. And Abby George with the school newspaper here. Uh, thank you, everybody, for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank we're, you. Uh, I'm so glad you all could be here. What we're going to do now is uh, I'm going to bring on George Rosales, had a hat here shortly. Um, next week, we're going to bring up some of the, the bills that are passing right through the California State Legislature dealing with gun violence prevention. And I hope I get Charlie Black on to be on my September 10 show leading up to uh, a somber uh, content with the, the day following. George Rosales, as I said, is up next. And uh, thanks for listening, everybody. It's the time of the year when the good things disappear. Everything dies and you ask yourself why. Two and a half, want to laugh through the math. Winter of my discontent, freedom's going to pay the rent. 